Open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 2. And we're going to kick off in verse number 1. We're in a series right now called I Saw the Sign. And we get that out of John, chapter 2, verse 11. And that, that's where um, John is writing. He said, this is the first of his signs. And the title of this morning's message is Common Signs. And sometimes the signs of God are so common, we actually miss what God is trying to do. And so we want to begin to notice the common signs of what God is actually doing. And so John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, this is where Jesus is invited to a wedding. And he changes the water to wine. And the Bible says this is the first of the miracles that Jesus did. The first of his signs that he did. And there's some cool stuff in here about the miracle that Jesus did that I want you really to grab onto today. And the impact of this whole series is this. We want you to walk away with scripture that's awesome and amazing, but we want it to be practical, holy, and deliverable. We want you to be able to grab it and apply it to your life. Go home and use it in your house. Go home and use it at your job. Leave here and use it at the restaurant that you're about to go eat at. And next week, you're staying for lunch on the lawn. Amen. <laughs> it's the last you'll hear me say lunch on the lawn. So next week is lunch on the lawn. All right, here we go. John chapter two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. I hope you've invited Jesus into your life this week, into your situations. Invite him into your circumstances. Invite him into your problems. Invite him into your celebrations. I hope you've been inviting him on a daily basis and hourly basis into certain areas of your life. And the Bible says in verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there. Everybody say there. For the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the water, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some of the water and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now that had become wine, and he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn it knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glories and his disciples believed in him. Everybody say, I believe in him. All right, he is the God of miracles, and, and I believe that God wants to do miracles in your life today. And so, as I've mentioned a second ago, the purpose of this series is to bring the Word of God in a way that becomes practical, holy, and deliverable. Our objective is not to pile a bunch more information and knowledge on top of the stuff you already have that we're not able to use or apply anyway, right? See, it would be like me giving you an advanced calculus book when we don't even remember how to do algebra pre-algebra, right? Some of us are just grateful we passed it all. Amen, hallelujah. And it wouldn't help if I gave you an advanced calculus book that you had to put on top of your pre-algebra book that you didn't even know how to use the pre-algebra book, but yet I'm piling a bunch more knowledge and information on something you can't apply because you didn't even apply the first step. What I want us to do in this series is for you to grab a hold of aspects of the Word of God and let them become practical that means use them every day. Holy, we don't compromise the scripture. 
and deliverable. So that way, as you begin to use them and see Bible results, you can pass them on to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers and say, hey, this is just something real practical. It's holy. It's from God, but it's deliverable. And if you'll use it, I promise that God's going to show up in a way in the area of your outness in whatever you're out of in your life. And that's the goal of this series. We want God to be able to show up in areas that he hasn't because we're going to practically apply the word of God. Our emphasis of the scriptures this morning is going to be on the verses 6, 7, and 8. And so the Bible says this. Now there were six stone water jars there. So the, the grammar in this, it's not... I'm not saying the word of God is wrong, but grammatically, if you use there twice in the same sentence, you're you're supposed to find a different word for there. But I do believe this, that the writer John wrote there twice in the same sentence because there's a reason that the there is there. Amen? So if he says, now there were six stone water jars there, there's a reason that the six stone water jars were there. And so I want to encourage you that when it says that they were right there within their presence, the water jars were close. So everybody say close this morning. The thing that God is going to use to do a miracle in your life is very close to you. It's very close to you. And I want to talk about that just for a second. All that you need to get you through your current situation and every situation in life is not far off. It is close by. Have you ever noticed that Jesus uses what is close by to do the miracles that he did? Let's use this for an example. We got the six stone water jars that were there. They were close by. When he had to feed the 5,000, a little boy came up with five loaves and two fish, and Jesus used what was there, what was close by. It wasn't enough. It was nowhere close to enough. But he had to use, and he did use what was close. And in that account, the Bible says that they were in a desolate place. This account right here with the water to wine, it says they were out of wine. Have you noticed you're always in a place that's desolate or that you're out of something and Jesus wants to use what is close to you, right next to you, to do the miracle of the thing that you need the most of that you're out of, but you never recognize the potential in the five loaves and the two fish or in the six water jars that are right there. Amen. Hallelujah. He also, when he went to heal a blind man's eyes, He spit on the ground, made some mud, slapped it on a dude's face, and he saw. Now listen, the only reason Jesus gets by with doing this miracle, and nobody freaks out and says, that's the weirdest thing ever is because he's Jesus. Right? I'm just saying, Pastor Derek, if I walked up to you and spit on the ground, made some mud, and slapped it on your eyes, you would probably bring me to your favorite lake where you were fishing and say pastor if you ever do that again the anchor that's on the boat will be tied to your feet and we're going right the only reason jesus gets away with doing this miracle with the dirt that is right there and the spit that is right there is because he's jesus but the point being he used what was there the point being the stone water jars we can glamorize them but they weren't glamorous the five loaves and two fish we can exalt them but they weren't worth exalting because there were just five small fish or five small loaves and two small fish. We can't glamorize spit and dirt. <laughs> There's just no way. I'm telling you. If we begin to glamorize what is close and common, we're taking away from the power of God. But God always wants to use what's close and common to do the miracle in your life. 
That way we don't glamorize the common, we glamorize the God who can use the common. That's why I love God so much. I don't want you to glamorize me, I want you to glamorize the God who uses a common person every single day. I want you to understand that God wants to use the common because it brings great glory to his name when he uses something so seemingly natural to do something that is supernatural in every aspect of the way. And so as the body of Christ, we love this term supernatural, right? Charismatic church, you know, we love the Holy Spirit. All that. We love the term supernatural. The issue that we have right now is we want the super before we recognize the natural. We want the super before we recognize those things that are natural to us. Guys, can you throw that on the screen for me? We want the super. We want the power of God. But yet we fail to recognize what is natural and what is close to us. Listen to these next two statements I'm about to make. For the supernatural to occur, number one, you have to recognize what is missing in the natural. In this account, it was here. You have to recognize what is missing in the natural. It's the wine. What is the missing need that you have that Jesus needs to touch? What is the missing thing in your life that you need Jesus to touch? Until we recognize what is missing in the natural, in this account it was the wine, but what are you missing in your life today? See, denial does not get you to the throne room of God. It was my lack of righteousness that brought Jesus to the earth, not my abundance of it. Come on now, that'll preach. It's what I'm out of that only he can touch that draws me to him for him to touch it. So I need to ask you, what are you out of? And don't act like you're in this room. It's like, I'm not out of nothing. Everybody's out of something. I'm out of energy this morning. You know, a person passed away on Monday. We had visitation on Wednesday. I had a funeral on Thursday. I had wedding rehearsal on Friday. I had a wedding on Saturday. I had two services this morning. I got an elder meeting right after church. I'm tired. Right? Come on. Some of y'all got tired just hearing about. And that wasn't even half of my schedule. And so everybody is out of something. You just got to recognize what you're out of. Maybe you're out of joy. Maybe you're out of real peace, and that's why you got to go to the pills. Come on. Maybe you're out of real, uh, real happiness, real gladness, real stuff that comes from the power of God. And so you got to go to all these other supplements to fulfill what only Jesus can touch. And if you won't stop long enough to recognize what you're out of, We'll never open up the invitation for Jesus to come in and touch it. And so, uh, and God's got me huge on this this morning. And it's no coincidence, that's why um, Pastor Mitch sang God of Miracles and that he's the way maker and the miracle worker, amen, and all those awesome songs. Because God is right now saying, I want to do a miracle in your life, but if you won't recognize that you're out of wine, I can't touch it. And sometimes if we don't go to him, he'll send your mama to say, Jesus, they're out of wine. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just, take that for what it's worth, buddy. <laughs> I'll tell you a true story in my life. When I won't go to God when I'm out, he'll always send somebody across my path that'll say, Pastor, you need to go get in the presence of God because you're out. You're drained. You're done. And you want to know who it is? It's usually somebody really close to me. <laughs> right? My wife, a staff member, somebody like that says, Pastor, an elder, Pastor, you need to... Because they'll see I'm out before I want to admit that I'm out. Yeah. Not that I haven't reckoned. I just won't want to admit it. Yeah. 
So what in your life, if you will recognize what you're missing in the natural, Jesus can come in and touch it. So what is it that you're missing this morning? And I'm so serious about this. I want everybody to think right now for about 10 seconds. What am I out of? What's missing? Some of y'all are so uncomfortable right now with dead silence. (laughs) But until you calm your mind and begin to still that area of your soul that runs rampant, you won't recognize what's missing. This morning, Jesus wants to touch what's missing. What you're naturally out of, he wants to supernaturally touch. But you gotta realize in the natural what you need before his super can come upon it and make it supernatural. The first thing is you have to recognize what's missing in the natural. The second thing is you have to recognize what we have in the natural. They had water jars. They didn't have wine. They had water jars. So they had to recognize what they were out of. They also had to recognize what they had, the water jars. What Jesus can touch to fix the need, what what can Jesus touch to fix the need that is missing in you? So they knew they were out of wine. What they had in the natural was water jars. So Jesus touched what was close, the water jars, and turned the water into wine. See, there was no Costco there. Cana, in fact, in this time period, wasn't a major tourist attraction like it is now. Jesus made it a tourist attraction. In fact, it was a little city that nobody really wanted to go to out in the middle of nowhere, and there was a wedding, and Jesus went to it. Okay? And when he got there, they were running out of wine, and his mama said they're out of wine, so they had to recognize what was missing in the natural. They also had to recognize what they had in the natural. Now listen, many of us were so busy pointing to what is not there that we miss what Jesus wants to use. We're so busy pointing at what's not there. They're out of wine. They're out of wine. They're out of wine. But they got six stone water jars over there. But we're still out of wine. We're so busy pointing at what's not there. We miss what Jesus wants to use. I'll give you a perfect example. We're so accustomed to the things that are closest to us. We're so close to Pastor Mitch and this amazing worship team that we think we got to fly halfway around the United States of America to a place in Northern California to get anointed worship. And you don't realize the anointing that's on the worship that you got right here. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not a betting man, but I'd put our worship team up against anyone out there. They can usher in the anointing, but because they're so close and we view them as so common, we're busy seeing what we don't have instead of appreciating the awesome, powerful, anointed worship team we do have that ushers in the presence of God and has made a way for your miracle to take place right here in the house. Come on, somebody. Give me a hand clap of praise. See, we're so busy pointing at there. We miss what Jesus really wants to use. I believe every staff issue we have at church, every volunteer shortage that we have, it's not by hiring somebody from the outside, but it's somebody right here in the house that we need to open our eyes and look at and say, God can use them. They were just too close and too common to me that I missed what I really had. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, God, God convicted me so bad on this message. We're praying for all these da, 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 and all this. And God says, everything you need, Joel, to do anything I've called you to do at TWBC, it's so close to you, you can touch it with your hand. Woo. That means the miracle's already in the house. The funding for the new facility's already in the house. <laughs> I mean, we just got to recognize what we got. 
but we're so busy looking at what we don't have that we miss what God is trying to use because we're so close to it. Everybody say common. God's going to use what's close to you. He's also going to use what's common to you. It says, now there were six stone water jars there, so they were close by, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Now listen, the miracle was in something that everybody had already been to, washed in, and walked away from. What have you been to, washed all your junk off in, and walked away from, and missed the miracle that was in the jar? And it's kind of shocking. The very miracle that Jesus was about to do was so close to them and so common to them that they went to it, washed all their junk off in it, and then walked away from it, not realizing the miracle that was about to happen right there in it. Now, the question I have is this. Who are you going to unloading all your junk off in and then walking away from? Not realizing the person you're dumping all your junk on has just as much junk as you and is still powerless to fix your problem. That's why you're going back to them with another set of problems. How much junk are we dumping off on people that only Jesus can touch and fix it. And I'm amazed at how many times we'll talk to people about all of our problems before we go to Jesus to get to the answer of the only one who can really fix it. Come on, I'm preaching today. I'm telling you. I love it. And listen, the people you're junking, dumping your junk off on, they don't want to hear about all your junk. They got their own dump truckload of junk. And they're tired of carrying your junk around too. Because then they got to unload your junk to get to their junk to bring their junk to Jesus to fix their junk. So everybody's tired of everybody's junk. So why don't we go to the one who can fix the stuff in the first place? Why don't we go to the man who was sent to earth straight from heaven to fix our sin problem, to fix our problems with our marriages, to fix our problems with our kids? Why don't we go to him? Come on, I'm all about going to Jesus. Because he already knows what he's going to do. He wants you to come to him. And so the miracle was in something that everybody had already been to, that everybody had already washed in and, to, and already walked away from. What in your life, what is it in your life that is common? That if you poured yourself into it again, God can begin to flow again into your life. What in your life is so common that's so close to us that we've overlooked so many times that we've gone to, washed in, and walked away from that if we poured our life into it again, God could let life flow through it again. What is that one thing? What is that one thing in your life? Listen, it's not about getting a newer model but pouring yourself into what you already have. It's not about you needing a new car, a new house, or a new spouse. It's about you pouring into yourself into the what you already have and letting God let life flow out of you into it. 
Listen, if you didn't know, when you got born again, you became an anointed uh, uh, person in the kingdom of God that life is supposed to flow out of, not just into. And whatever you begin to touch with your hands and bless with your mouth and pour yourself into, it should be giving it life. And as you pour life into something, it becomes alive again. So I'm going to ask you, what is so close? What is so common? What is in your life that if you begin to pour yourself into it right now again, it would come back to life? A lot of people are wanting a, a, a newer car. But if you would go and clean up the one you got and actually wash it and put some smell good stuff in it and get the dirty soccer cleats out of the back and don't just leave them there for six months. And if you would pour yourself into what you got, you may actually appreciate the gift God has already given you. And you realize a $20 detail on your car would fix a $200 car payment increase that you don't really need. Come on. Pour yourself into something. Me and my wife realized this with, with, with the first house that we bought. We lived in it for a few years and we... The market was crazy. It's before everything happened. Like, we've been married forever, it seems like. It was 17 years this May. Come on, I'm happy about that. And so, and so our first house, man, we, we bought it, we fixed it up, but then it became very common to us. It just became common. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you get, you get a little scuff on the wall or whatever, and you don't touch up paint it. You know, you get a little hole because you mishung the mini blind. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm not the only one. And because you know you're not about to sell it, you just kind of leave the hole there. And after about five years, you get a bunch of this of wear and tear and daily use. And at the end of it, you're like, we got to just sell this ugly house. It's all falling apart. Ain't nothing good here. It's just, ugh, we don't like it no more. So we went to go sell our house. And we had to pour ourselves into it not with a lot of money, but just really pour ourselves into it, cleaning it up, rearranging furniture. So we watched 1,500 episodes of Sell This House and how to stage your house and how to put pictures in certain places and all these things. And we spent like three weeks just going through the house and decluttering and all this stuff. And by the end, we looked at each other and said, all right, let's put this thing on the market. And we are like, but wait, we kind of like it now. Because we poured ourselves into it. And life came back into it. And the fresh paint really did look good. And when you fix the holes, it really does make a big difference. And, and we poured ourselves into it. And so we, we ended up selling it. And so we bought another house and we lived in it for 10 years. And the same thing happened again. We had two little boys this time who were putting scuffs on the walls. Right? And knocking holes in the walls. Where did they get that from? I don't know. And we wanted to sell the house. And so we didn't have to watch all the episodes of Sell This House because we still remembered how to sell the house. And so with that, we started pouring ourselves into the house. We started, we ripped out the flower bed completely and redid it. We stained the shutters and everything looked good. We tore down the kids' jungle gym in the backyard and realized we really did have a pretty good sized backyard, right? And we began to pour ourselves into it and we got ready to sell and we looked at each other and said, it happened again. We really kind of like this house. Are we sure we want to sell? And I'm telling you that for a reason because whatever you begin to pour yourself into, it will become life-giving again. 
And so you don't need a newer car. You don't need a newer house. You don't even really need a newer spouse. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, you know I'm setting you up for it. If you will begin to pour yourself into your marriage again, instead of going to marriage conference after marriage conference after marriage conference to get more information that you're not even going to apply because you didn't apply the first information that you got. Come on, somebody. It's pointless to go to marriage conference after marriage conference after marriage conference. And I love our, our marriage on the rock group that, that Kevin and Yasmin lead with, with David and Lisa, Lisa Kelly. I love that group. But even if you go to that group week after week and you go home and you still look at your spouse as common and you won't pour yourself into your spouse, that spouse will always be common even though they're that close. And if you will begin to pour yourself into your spouse, it may not look miraculous at first. But going home and having a family dinner doesn't look like a miracle. It looks like a burden. But if you start doing it regularly and pour yourself into time with your family, you will begin to love each other. You will begin to appreciate each other. You'll begin to have conversation with one another outside of a text message. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I'm either going to get ran out of here with a beating or somebody's marriage is going to get transformed. And I don't want you to get a newer spouse. I want you to pour life into the spouse you got. And men, you have a spouse next to you that if you really will listen, they do have great insight to help you know how to love them. All the women should have stood up and just <laughs> applauded. And Women, you missed your opportunity, man. You should have just... Ladies in the house, if you got a husband sitting next to you, if you will really understand that the underwear beside the laundry basket and not in the laundry basket, come on somebody, if you really understand that there's bigger issues on his plate than that, and you'll listen to what's really burdening his heart, I promise he'll come around to taking care of what's in your heart. But because we are unwilling to equally pour ourselves into one another, it feels like one's sucking the other dry, and when they get dry, the other one's like, oh, then it's my turn. No, you both continually pour in at a mutual rate, all of yourself into one another. And if you want to see a true miracle, it's not going to be going to a conference. It's going to be going home and loving the spouse that God gave you that's so close to you that you view as common, and you start taking care of each other's needs, and you love on one another. Then the kids will start acting better. <laughs> I know they'll start acting better. You want to know how I know that? One, because your perspective of your spouse will change. And so you won't take it out on your kids. Amen. Hallelujah. But number two, when the kids walk into the atmosphere of peace, rather than the atmosphere of chaos, their spirits are going to change. And I'm telling you, what's so, what is so common in your life that if you begin to pour yourself into it now, that God can do a miracle. See, the water jars were close. The water jars were common. Everybody had been to it, washed in it, and walked away from it. And that describes many marriages in the house. You've been to it, you dump all your dirty laundry on junk on your spouse, and you walk away and say, well, I feel better. Well, they don't. They don't. But what if you began to pour yourself into them? What about my needs? It ain't about your needs. <coughs> It's about you pouring yourself into them. Pour yourself into them. 
I never heard Jesus one time on the cross say, what about my needs? Come on, somebody, that'll go. And we all say, we want to be like Jesus. No, we don't. We don't want to be crucified. I know this because we don't even want to give up our own TV time for our spouse who we say we love more than anybody. But we'll die for Jesus, right? We won't even pour ourselves into our marriage. God wants to do a miracle this morning, but you got to recognize what's close to you. You got to recognize what's common to you. And whatever you begin to pour yourself into, again, I promise it'll become a life giving thing again. And so Jesus wants to use what's close, He wants to use what's common, and He's going to do it right now in the current, present time frame that you're in. So He's going to use what's close what's common and he's going to do it in the current time frame that you're in and he said to them in verse 8 now draw out some water he told them the time frame when do you do it now hebrews 11 says now faith is so faith in action means you're doing something in the now not learning something about what you're going to do come on see a lot of us want to learn something about what we're going to do we don't want to do what we already know to do in the now but if we'll do what we already know to do in the now, faith will be activated and God can start working on your miracle. He can start stirring the water and turning it into wine. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He can start working on your miracle. But we don't want to do what we already know. We want some new information to pile on what we already didn't do the last time he told us what to do. He said to them, now draw out some water and take it to the master of the feast. See, the issue is we do not need more things and more information. We just need courage to do what we already know to do. We need courage in the house of God again. We don't need more information. We know enough about the Bible to start a worldwide revival. We just don't want to go across the street and tell our neighbor about Jesus. It's too close. It's too common. They're not going to change anyway. They don't even like Jesus. That's why they need to hear about Jesus, because they don't even like Jesus. But they're too close. They're too common. That's too normal. That's not hard enough. Surely it's got to be more difficult. No, we already know enough information that we're not doing to change the world we live in. But we say, God, tell us more. Come on. Come on. Why would God reveal the deep things of Scripture to us when we don't, even, we don't even want to do what we already know to do? See, we want more knowledge. We want more information. We really don't want to do the gospel. We just want more of something. If you want more of anything, you should want more courage to do what you already know you should be doing. You already have everything you need to lose 20 pounds. You got a pair of shoes in your closet that you haven't took out in six months. You haven't took out in a year. And you know how to put them things on, lace them things up, and go for a walk down your street. See? I told you. You already know enough to lose 20 pounds. But we want to put this on social media. What's the best fitness app that's out there? I need a better app. No, you need to put your shoes on and get out the house. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you. Get out. You don't need newer. You don't need more of something. You just need courage to do what you already know you should be doing. Put them shoes on and go for a jog and start losing some weight. It's a beautiful day. Get you some worship time. Get off the electronics. Go do something what you already know to do. Man, God's so good. But God is saying to us 
in the house today, I, I believe this on my heart, Joel, if they'll start doing what they already know to do, their miracle is already on its way. Because the miracle is not in the knowing, it is in the doing. The miracle has always been in the doing. The service didn't need new information. They just needed to know where to get the water from to fill the jars up. And in the doing, the miracle happened. I don't know when it happened. I just know it happened. Because they took some out at the now. When he said, now go bring some to the master of the feast. They took some out at the now. And when they took it out at the now and took Jesus at his word, doing what they already knew to do. They didn't say, but how do you want us to do it? How do we walk up there? Make sure we don't spill it. They just took it. Just start walking. And watch, I promise, pounds will start dropping. Just start doing what you already know to do. Listen, it's not in a new workout plan, but it's getting the courage to put the shoes on you already have. It's not in a new marriage, but getting the courage to listen to the person living in the very same house with you. It's getting the courage to sit down and say, honey, I was wrong. Ooh, yeah. I just felt that spiritually too. Like, ooh. It's getting the courage to sit down and say, I'm going to shut my mouth for 15 minutes and not say a word. And you say whatever you want to say. Ooh, somebody's freaking out right now. I just sense it, man. We got freedom ministry for all you people. I'm telling you. It's not in a new marriage. The fact is, if you get rid of this marriage and get you a new one, it's only going to become worse because now somebody who has crazy expectations of you and doesn't know how bad you really are, come on now, doesn't know how bad you really are, is going to find out how bad you really are and then it's going to make you sink to a lower state of depression when this person, if you would have just listened to them, they were already in the house. They already knew how bad it was. They already knew all the struggles that you go through. They already knew all the issues. They already know that Pastor Joel still folds the towel wrong after 17 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. She already knows. I don't got to hide that getting a new marriage, so hopefully she don't find out. I'm telling you, the answer to every situation, to your every need. It is so close and it is so common. If we'll just start moving in what we already know in the now, God can begin to work on your miracle and get it to you in the now. You just gotta ask God, I need some courage. I need some courage to step out and do what I already know I should be doing. I hear this all the time. What is the best new Bible app or Bible devotional out there? It doesn't matter if you don't open your Bible. What's the best translation out there? I don't know, read the one you got. <laughs> I mean, just open it and read it. If it is the inspired word of God, and it is, and if it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it doesn't matter if it's King James, Old King James, Passion Translation, New Living Translation, New International Version, English Standard Version, which is God's version, by the way. Um, I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter what version it is. And no, Jesus did not write the King James Version of the Bible called King James not King Jesus version right I mean but we already know enough to start ourselves on a spiritual journey we just don't want to open the Bible we got we think buying a brand new Bible will help us no it's just going to add another Bible to your collection notice I said to your collection because all y'all already got a slew of them right so with this it's not in getting something new it's looking around what is close to you what is common to you 
and getting the courage to step out by faith in the current time frame you're in and begin to do what you already know to do. Pastor Mitch, come on up. And as the altar team is moving to where they're ready to minister to you today, this is what I'm talking about. Some of you need the courage in just a minute to go stand up and pray with one of these people who are going over uh, to be on the prayer team. Some of you just need to just say, God, I just need the courage. I'm out, I'm empty, I'm done for, it's over. But if I go to one of these people who know who I am and they know where I work, see, you're too close and you're too common to them. Act like you don't know them when you go to them. Ronnie and Hope, can y'all stand up and, and minister over there? Any other altar team ministers that are here, if you would stand up and just be prepared to minister, even though you're not on the schedule day, thank y'all for serving when you weren't asked to serve. And I'm telling you guys something this morning that is powerful and profound. If you'll build up the courage right now in the next few seconds to take one step of faith, doing what you already know to do, I just need to go get prayer with somebody. <laughs> It'll change your world. Well, I've prayed about it before. Well, that's why I'm asking somebody to pray for you. <laughs> Two or more agree upon it as touching anything it's done. See, you're already trying to figure out how to not do what you already know to do because you don't have the courage to just stand up and go to it. We're going to be 20 pounds heavier in the next 10 years because we just didn't have the courage to put our shoes on and go for a walk. We're going to be Bible deficient in the next five years because we always want to buy the next best Bible, but we don't want to open the one we got. Marriages will keep falling apart time and time again because we're too close to the ones that love us the most and we don't want to listen to their advice and listen to what God's telling us through them. And so we think a newer model is better and it's not. Everything you're running out of, everything we're running out of. Remember back to the beginning of this message, I said, what are you out of? Everybody's out of something. Three o'clock today, I'm taking a nap because I'm out, <laughs> right? Everybody's out of something. This is your chance. This is your chance because everything you're running out of, the fulfillment of it is in Jesus. This is the time. It's the fulfillment of it in Jesus. And if you'll go to him, the one who is life, and now draw out some, begin to move in the now, in the next step that you're going to take, he will begin to flow through your life again. And he can bring life out of the deadest of situations. And he'll do it. He's just waiting on us to say, I'm going to do what I already know. And if you're in the house and you've never met Jesus, I want to tell you about the gospel real quick. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus Christ and the gospel are synonymous. Jesus Christ is the son of God himself who came to this earth because we were out. We were out of righteousness. We were out of an approach to God. There was no way to approach the heavenly father. And so Jesus came in and fulfilled the need that we have. And he became sin for us so that we who were sinners can become his righteousness and go before the father. He did it by dying on a cross and shedding his blood. And when his blood came and it was poured out for you and for me, it happened and it, and it forgave all of our sins. So you can approach the heavenly place where God is in your life. But Jesus didn't want us just being forgiven. He wanted dead people to come back to life. And so what happened is on the third day, we're going to celebrate it here in a few, or a few weeks. It's called Easter Sunday. On the third day, God rose his son again from the dead grave. And he was as dead as you could possibly be dead. But God called him forth and he came back to newness of life. So you can have a new life in him. It's not good enough just to be forgiven. He wants to forgive you all day long. 
But more than that, he wants to have you to have new life so you can overcome the sin that you've got to keep being forgiven of. And if you'll just take one step of courage and go over to a minister and say, pray for me, I need Jesus. That's all you got to say. They will pray a prayer with you and you can become born again and have new life in Christ. If this morning you're out, listen, I'm not going to call you out and make you stand up because everybody's going to stand up here in a minute. If you're out this morning and you need filling, if you're in the balcony, come on down and get filled. If you need filling, I want you to come in just a second when we close this time in prayer and go to one of the ministers and let God do what only he can do by you doing what you already know to do. And that's go to him. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How is this practical, holy, and deliverable? I'll tell you how practical it is. It's so practical that it's done by taking one step of faith because you have courage to go and do what you normally wouldn't do. It's holy because Jesus Christ is going to meet you in your current situation. It's deliverable because when you get impacted by the power of God, you will naturally go and impact the world with that same power of God. So are you ready for your change? He's fixing to turn your empty wine bottles into the fullness of his fulfillment with one step by you. He told the servants, now go dry out the water. So when I say amen in about three seconds, it's your now time. Are you ready? God, honor this moment as they take a step of faith because you put courage inside of them. I thank you for born again experiences and I thank you for now moments because people are doing what they know to do. Get ready to move in. Three, two, one. It's your now moment. Go and receive all that God has.